What's up, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Sports Planet Podcast. I'm joined by Daniel Tinius once again for episode 15. How are you doing today? Not so great. Our Lakers got out, but we'll get through it together. It's okay. We'll talk about that later, of course. <laughs> but uh, on today's episode, we've got the NBA Conference Finals, like how you just mentioned, and uh, John Morant's cryptic Instagram stories that led to concerns for his well-being. Uh, but first, here are some headlines from around the sports planet. Unfortunately, like how you just mentioned. Uh, so Nuggets swept the Lakers on Monday night to set up the first ever finals appearance in franchise history. Um, according to NBA insider Shams, the NBA could use its summer league for a trial run to see how a flopping rule would work. Uh, so for this, uh, they'd introduce uh, flopping rules, kind of like how FIBA does it. Um, so if a referee deems that a player flopped, it would lead to a technical foul, which means a free throw for the other team. Um, and then Dodgers are have, without two key starters. They recently lost uh, pitchers Julio Urias and Clayton Kershaw. Urias was placed on the 15-day injured list due to a hamstring strain. And Clayton Kershaw was placed on the bereavement list uh, to grieve the loss of his mother earlier this month. Uh, so after some openings in the Dodgers starting rotation, uh, opened up. That meant the top prospects, Gavin Stone on the left, number 71, and Bobby Miller on the right, number 70. Uh, they may, they were able to make their MLB debuts in Atlanta earlier this week. And finally, the the Liga MX Clausura 2023 final is set to begin later tonight, uh, Thursday, May 25th in Nuevo León between the Chivas and the Tigres. So uh, this one's a two-leg uh, final. So the second leg will be played on Sunday, May 28th in Guadalajara. The Chivas look to win their 13th title, whereas the Tigres look to win their eighth. Uh, out of any of these, Daniel, anything that stands out to you? Uh, there was a few, obviously, Nuggets getting past our Lakers into their first finals appearance. Um, I mean, they're a good team. They deserved it. They, they're they clearly a better team, better coach. So uh, at least it wasn't a team that I hated that beat us. So yeah. at least it was a team that I worse. respect. Yeah, it could always be worse. And then the other thing was the new flop rule was something that uh, really interesting because I've been saying this for about two years now because uh, listeners probably don't know, but I referee soccer and they brought in the rule where if you flop in soccer, you could get a yellow card. And I was like, dude, they need to bring that to basketball mm -hmm. in some sorts, like a technical to penalize people for basically taking advantage of the refs and putting them in tough positions with the flopping. I mm -hmm. felt like it was getting too out of control. So I feel like this is a good step in the right direction we'll see what parameters they put around it and um, i'm glad they're going to be doing something about this because as much as i love the lakers uh lebron still flops every now and then yeah. you also saw Jokic, one of the biggest guys in the league flopping in the series as well and you just don't want to see superstars flopping to try mm -hmm. to get calls so we'll see I'm, I'm excited for that um and i'm going to my first dodger game of the year on monday to see dodgers versus nationals uh so we'll hope for a win there Oh, well, hopefully whoever you get, it's a good good pitcher. That way you can lead to a uh, low-scoring game for the other team, and hopefully you guys get some good runs in. That way you can see the new light show when the home runs go off. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's uh, begin with the Easter Conference Finals. Uh, so, so far we have uh, Miami leading the Boston Celtics 3-1. to one. Boston won on Tuesday in Miami, 116-99 to force a game five in Boston uh, later tonight. Like I mentioned earlier, we're recording Thursday. Uh, so in this game, uh, the Heat are going to be without Gabe Bisson uh, due to an ankle sprain. Uh, so I honestly thought that Miami would sweep, and I was kind of hoping they would sweep just so we could be like, ha, we weren't the only ones that got swept in the conference finals. But 
uh, Jason Tatum and the Celtics uh, put in work to force a game five. What you see and uh, what have you seen so far in the last couple games for the Heat? Uh, Heat Boston uh, series. Honestly, I thought they were going to sweep too after that game three performance. Just mm-hmm. the Celtics looked like they gave up, did not care. Uh, Missoula had no idea what to do. Just put in a bunch of just third role players in the fourth quarter yeah. to see if they could even do something. Um, so I honestly thought it was going to be a sweep. I was actually surprised that they forced us to five. And now I feel like it might go six because Gabe Vincent has been huge for them this whole playoff run. And that's another score that they're going to be without on the road. So mm-hmm. I do see this going back to game six for the Heat, but I think they'll be closing out there. Uh, Butler's been doing Butler things. Same thing, all playoff series. Didn't have as great of a game offensively in game four, which is uh, part of the reason why they lost. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I noticed also starting in game three, even though they got blown out, the uh, Missoula finally went to um, a lineup that doesn't consist of two centers, which he's been doing uh, pretty much the whole playoffs. And I never understood when you're playing against a smaller team why you'd run two centers. Yeah, uh, looks like he's making. NBA. Yeah, it's like you don't need Horford and Williams. And mm-hmm. I know Horford could kind of spread the floor, but he's too inconsistent to consider someone that's going to be beneficial from three all the time. So uh, I think he's making the right adjustments, and I think that's going to help him actually get another victory. But I do think this is done in six now. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I thought they were going to sweep. Uh, right now, Gabe Vincent, like how we mentioned, how you've mentioned in uh, previous episodes, part of the undrafted players that – Four, they have seven on the roster, but four of them are part of like the main rotation, you know. And Gabe Vincent's one of them, and this guy's this guy's uh, gonna be a huge loss. So I think that it does lead to a game six. But I feel like at that point they're gonna be like, oh my god, the Heat have all the, then you know, like they have all the pressure on them to close it out. But they'll be at home for game six, and I don't see them losing that one because if they do lose that one, then I mean, do you go to a game seven? No team in NBA history has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit, and then that would really put them in a tough uh, situation. But I see them closing out game six, and this wouldn't be the first time uh, if Miami, if or when Miami does close out uh, Boston. This wouldn't be the first time that Jimmy Butler uh, eliminates Coach Missoula from, the, from a tournament or a playoffs. So uh, as you can see right here, I saw this on Sports Center. It says Jimmy Butler eliminated West Virginia in the Big East tourney during Missoula's final year of college. And like, say, so imagine it's all like, man, I couldn't get away from him in college. <laughs> now in the NBA, he's eliminating me from a chance to win a to go to the finals. So I just saw that. And I thought that was pretty funny. So, wow, that's uh, crazy. <laughs> Small yeah, world. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that, that's why I just wanted to mention, uh, point that out real quick. Uh, there was also something else I wanted to point out. There was. Uh, I had seen a question someone put up, put up, saying, "Would this be this? Would a Jimmy Butler and Miami Heat championship this year be on the same level as Dirk Nowitzki and the Mavericks in 2011?" So I have this right here. One second. Okay, so obviously the Mavericks won won in 2011, right? Uh, that run was crazy because they beat. Uh, Brandon Roy and the Blazers 4-2. They swept Kobe Bryant and the reigning two-time champion LA Lakers 4-0. That shit still hurts. 
you know, because that's when, like, when Bynum, like, uh, who is it, J.J. Barrera goes up for a layup, and Bynum just like, nah, here, like, get yeah. out of here. All the frustration comes out, you know. It was like we were we were hoping for a three-peat. We were thinking we would go up there against and play the Heat, but it's all like, no, the Mavericks were, like, on a roll, so they end up sweeping the Lakers. And then in the Western Conference Finals, they beat the Baby Thunder, who went to the finals one year later. So that was uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, you know, back when they were younger. And then in the finals, they end up beating the big three of LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh in their first year in Miami together, four to two in the finals to capture their uh, championship, right? So I could see where people are coming from because this 2023 Heat, obviously they lose against the Hawks in the first playing game, nearly lose to the Bulls in the second playing game, but they end up holding on and capturing the eight seed and then they beat the number one overall seed milwaukee bucks so i could see right here based off of like their resume this year you would say yes right but i would just want like i just feel like since Giannis got hurt in that first game that's where it kind of scales back a bit because obviously he did come back later in the series but he he messed up his back pretty bad in that very first game and then like i i don't know if you could ever really say that like sure he played well but you can never say that he was kind of the same because a back injury is like really serious, like something that can keep you out for way longer. But obviously he came back because they were on the brink of elimination. So what do you think about this comparison of the 2011 Mavericks and the 2023 Heat? Honestly, I think it's a it's a good comparison. And mm-hmm. um, uh, not take anything away from the Heat. I know Giannis got injured, but uh, like the old saying is, if you're good enough to play then you're fine like you're not, yep. you're not if you're on the court you're good enough to play and uh he was on there and they they still lost to the number one seed obviously if you take take Giannis away and you take butler away from the team and you look at the rest of the core of the bucks and the heat bucks are still miles ahead of yeah. the heat as, as far as rosters so they're mm-hmm. still the underdogs regardless um and uh, then they go in the next series. They take out the Knicks. Uh, you could say that was a little bit uh, their, their easiest series compared. But yeah. the Knicks were still playing very well. Um, and then now they're playing against the Celtics, which is number two seed. And mm-hmm. uh, Celtics are on paper, you could argue, the best team in the league at one mm-hmm. point. So they're beating the best teams in the league. And now they're about to face the other one seat from the West. So I do think it's just uh, closely equivalent as the 2011 run by the Dallas Mavericks. And this is a mm-hmm. first time in a while, if they do end up winning that you're going to see um, a player where it's just a star player and a bunch of role players, not the two stars yeah. getting it done. And I feel like that's what also compares to, because Dirk was a star and he had lots of role players with Sean Marion, Jason Kidd, JJ Barrera. Um, so, he has all these role players with one star player. We don't really see mm-hmm. those type of teams win championships as often anymore. It's usually two stars and lots of role players. That's usually yeah, yeah. been the the formula for championship runs. So uh, I like the comparison. I think even might, I wouldn't say harder, might just be just about the same. We'll see if they're able to complete it though. Yeah, because I know I'm rooting for <laughs> Yeah, if, if if or when the Heat make it to the finals, I'll I'll be rooting for the Heat. But I think the Nuggets win it just because they're so stacked. Uh, they have a complete team. You know, Nikola Jokic is just playing on a whole other level. Jamal Murray's playing on another level. It's just they're. I feel like the Heat are the hottest team right now in terms of like everyone meshing well, playing well at the same time. Pun intended. But the, 
yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, but the, on the other side, the Nuggets are the most complete team in the NBA. They have everything that you can look for, size, defense, uh, shooting, like, you know, like a bunch of stuff that like MVPs, even though he didn't win it this year, uh, Nikola Jokic, he's, just, he's crazy right now. So like in terms of the comparison, I give the slight edge to the Mavericks just because of the teams that they went through in terms of the Lakers, obviously just coming off two championships and then the baby thunder, obviously they weren't at their, what's the, uh, what's the word? They weren't in their prime, but they were still a good team. You know, obviously they made it to the Western conference finals and then they beat the, the heat. Maybe if it's a year later, I don't think they beat the heat because that was their first season. They had just came out of a, uh, 2011, 2011. Oh no, they weren't in the lockout yet, but that was their first season together. Right. So obviously they had to learn how to play together, who was going to finish. Cause they were like, is LeBron going to take the last bucket? Is it going to be uh, Dwayne Wade? Or what if Chris Bosh is open? Is he going to take, you know, like a bunch of questions of marks, but uh, then they finally realized, okay, this is LeBron's team, even though Dwayne Wade's been here longer. So I would say in terms of the skill level, just slightly ahead are the Mavericks just because of the, their opponents. I mean, but like the Heat, I, I would I would put it up there as one of the most difficult championships as well. Definitely a respectable comparison, for mm-hmm. sure. Anything else you want to say about this before moving on to the Eastern Conference? I mean, Eastern Conference. Sorry, Western Conference Finals. No, nothing. No. Go right. go, Hemi Butler. I'm, I'm Hemi. rooting for him. Yeah. So uh, Western Conference Finals, man. Uh, obviously, we've alluded to it. Denver Nuggets ended up sweeping the Lakers four to zero. Don't uh, remind so, me. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> we, we have to be unbiased for a bit. So yes. obviously Nuggets swept the Lakers four zero, and congrats to them. They were the better team. Uh, they, so they're making their finals for the first time in franchise history. So honestly, when this happened, I was like, I was so pissed off at first, but then like a couple like a couple minutes went by. I slept on it. Later on, like the next day, I was all like, I'm, I can't even be mad. Because this team came from two and ten, being what thirteenth place in the in the Western Conference, to getting the seventh seed and making it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. So, like, obviously, I was pissed off because, like, you could say that and be like, but the goal was so close. But if you were to think back to November, you would not have been like, oh yeah, this team's gonna make the playoffs. Like, we're gonna be we're gonna be in the lottery at that point. So, just, like, so I'm mad. Because they were so close and the late game execution. I felt like Darvin Ham didn't make the correct adjustments at times. And so like every game was so winnable for the Lakers. Obviously, they're down by what? 21 points in game one, but they storm all the way back to cut it to three points with less than a minute. And that was a winnable game at that point. They could have won that one. Game two, they had the lead. They could have won that one. Game three, they had the lead, blow it again. They could have had that one. Game four, they had the lead and blow it again. So, you know, it's like, so Denver sweeps 4-0, but it could have easily gone. Uh, I shouldn't say easily, but it could have gone 4-0 the Lakers way. So at the end of the day, it just came down to late game execution in my eyes. So um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm mad that the Lakers didn't make it to the finals, of course, because as Laker fans, we're used to playing for championships, not for conference finals appearances like the L.A. JV squad. I'm not even going to mention their name because they're going to move anyways. Uh <laughs> They're building a whole new stadium, and let's see if they can even pack it with their own fans. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, man, what do you have to think? What do you have to say about this series? Uh, going into the series, I felt like we had a real shot 
um, going in, I felt there was definitely some adjustments adjustments that need to be made. Uh, Darham started with too many three guard lineups uh, throughout the series that really killed us on the boards. Uh, we're outmatched mm -hmm. in size. When we have some personnel that could help us, uh, it sucks that. Uh, I know people are going to hate on this, but like Tristan Thompson came in at game four and played tremendous for us, actually. Yeah. Like I was generally surprised. Yeah. I mean, more than you expect him to play. Okay, right? like He that. played I'll better you than you expect him to play. I, maybe tremendous, not the, the right word, but uh, it just goes to show when you have extra size on the floor against a big team, it really helps. And it took him a while to get away from this three guard lineup to finally mm -hmm. get us into a better position to win games. Um, but when I look at it from like a serious standpoint, I feel like we could have easily gone. It could be two, two to two. I feel like least, we win yeah. game two and we win game four. I feel like game two and four were our best games. Mm -hmm. um, one, we we're down by 20 points. Yeah. We stormed back, which was great. But then you have, Murray and Jokic hitting just fadeaway threes at the buzzer, fully contested on 2K, it would say heavily contested red and it's just still raining so swish. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, you're not going to win those games. Mm -hmm. But two and four, I felt like those were the heartbreaks where I felt like we could have won. And after we lost two, I was just like, damn, it's going to be a tough series. Uh, disappointed that we couldn't at least get one. We definitely were good enough to win one for sure. Um, but Definitely. when you break it down, if a team wins four games and we don't win any, they're the better team, obviously. If it went to game seven and we lost in game seven, you could make an argument that maybe they just had a bad game, but we're still the better yeah. team. But when you lose and you get swept, the other teams, there's no arguing that the other team was better. So it was, we're fighting an uphill battle. Um, I know you talked alluded to late game execution by Ham. Uh, I'm not a fan of Darvin Ham. I haven't been all season. Um, mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Darvin Ham is not a horrible coach, but he is a rookie coach trying to coach a team to a championship. He should be mm -hmm. coaching uh, Houston Rockets, Detroit Pistons, the Hornets, yeah, teams yeah. that are building so he could get that experience. With younger you talent, yeah. Yeah, with younger talent. You don't hire a rookie coach to lead you to a championship. So now you see right now you have Eric Spolstra and Missoula going at it. Missoula has the way better uh, roster, and you see uh, Eric Spolstra out coaching him. And mm -hmm. then coaching really shows in the playoffs. You could make it through the season, the regular season, really your coaching flaws don't get uh, shown. But when you make the playoffs, coaching really does matter. And you're seeing yeah. it, especially in the Eastern Conference, how a team that is on paper – Miles behind the Celtics are leading the series, and they have a great coach to lead them. So uh, that's kind of my opinion. I mean, unfortunately, I feel like Darvin Ham's coming back. I hope he doesn't, yeah. but he, <laughs> he's going to be coming back, and we're going to have yeah. to kind of deal with it. So I hopefully he make he hopefully he watches film and see how he can adjust next season because he he has a lot to to improve on. Yeah, man. Uh... So uh, you kind of alluded to it real quick before I show this. Uh, that's like Joe Mazzula. I had seen some players. Uh, I had seen a report that some of the Celtics players never got over the Ime Udoka situation and how they handled the firing. And then I had also seen another uh, report where they were saying that the that even the the locker room they they never really or not the locker room. Sorry, 
that some player had said that Joe Mazzulla doesn't even sh- like draw plays. Like on offense, they're just playing pickup basketball. So it's like how you were saying that that's kind of cool during the, the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, it's a whole different game because it becomes a half court game rather than that full court uh, fast break type throughout the whole season where you see teams scoring 120 plus. Now you see p- teams barely scratching 100 in the playoffs because it becomes a half court game. And, you know, but and then in terms of ham, it's like how you're saying you don't hire a rookie coach to lead you to a championship. You want a championship level coach, someone who's been there before that'll know because you can see in the uh, like tor- like in this series, obviously, uh, that he was just out coached by Mike Malone as annoying as Mike Malone was being throughout every single game after in the press conferences. It doesn't matter because he put his team in a position to win. Obviously, at the end of the day, it's on the players. But he was—he drew up plays, told them where to be, and all that. And he had them in a position to win. Their players executed, and then that's why they—they the, were the better team, and that's why they're moving on to the finals. And then another thing, real quick, before moving on, he alluded to Jokic's shots. There's no way we're gonna be winning when this guy's making these shots. Jokic just gets it off in time. It's up. Oh, it's good. Of course it goes in. Jokic from downtown. 12 assists. Even the desperation shots go in. Extraordinary. In the first, second quarter. Murray gets inside. Back to Jokic. Shot clock winding down. Jokic has to put it up. High on three. Oh, he knocks it down. Stepping backwards. And that wasn't the only one he had in that final game. Falling backwards. Jokic has to put it up. Falling away, puts it up. Bang! Nikola Jokic! That one hurt. That yeah. one hurt. Because this one, like, wait, was the other one, the LeBron one, was that one uh, game? That was, uh, yeah, that was game four as well. So this one hurt, man. Nikola Jokic! Look at the time. About 2.48 on the clock when he hits that on AD. Away, puts it up. The dagger. They were up by three, makes it a six-point game. Jokic knocks it down. It's crazy. How about that? <laughs> I mean, he's Paul made cock behind his head like that. He <laughs> made the same thing. Yeah, man. Like, like at the end of the day, they, <laughs> they were the better team, and they were getting shots to go their way. So, like, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just crazy, man. Because any, well, anything else you want to say about the this? Before I get to LeBron, well, not even to mention also Murray had like about two of similar shots to that as well, where they're just chucking it up at the buzzer exactly. and hitting it. So, um, uh, I saw something a while ago that in order to win a championship, you need luck and skill. Yep. And uh, the luck was on their side, and definitely they have the skill. So when you have both, it's very, very hard to compete with. Um. And also, I just want to say, game two, refs were atrocious, but we still should have won. But refs were – game two was probably the worst ref game I've seen in the playoffs, and I've watched almost majority of this whole playoff stand, and that game two was crazy. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into it. But, yeah, that's it. You need luck and skill. Denver has both. That's why they're on a roll. We'll see yeah. how they do in the finals. Yeah, so uh, like I said earlier, I expect – Denver to win, but I'll be rooting for the Heat just because of playoff Jimmy, Hemi Butler. Uh, but the crazy thing about all of this, you know, 
Denver sweeps, right? And then right after the game, I saw on SportsCenter, they were talking about it. But then they're like, but wait, that's a subplot. You know why? Because LeBron James might be retiring. Might be retiring, excuse me. So it's all like per Chris B. Haynes and then David Mc, Dave McMenamin also from ESPN also mentioned this. LeBron James is considering retirement. Considering. I'm, I'm putting air quotes for those listening. Uh, it says James is unsure if he'll be with the Lakers to start next season, man. So for me personally, I do not think he's being serious at all. I have two reasonings for why I think this is coming out. One, he just wants people to stop thinking about the Lakers getting swept or himself getting swept. That way they start talking about that legacy part, you know, whatever. That's my first reasoning. Reason number two, I think he's trying to get a leverage, like gain leverage, I should say, sorry, to persuade the Lakers to go after Kyrie in free agency. We saw D'Lo have an atrocious Western Conference Finals. He had a, he had a pretty good series uh, in the round one and in round two, obviously a couple games where he didn't play well. But in the Western Conference Finals, he was barely playable, man. So I think this one more than anything as well. So number one, Lakers getting swept. He doesn't want people talking about it. Number two, he wants to gain leverage so that the Lakers go and sign Kyrie. One, what do you think about that? And two, should the Lakers go after Kyrie? Um, so I kind of agree with the the leverage part. I'm not sure about taking away from his like legacy, trying to distract, but you never know. I mean, LeBron's a calculated guy, so maybe that's just he's trying to do that as well. But I do think he is saying this that he needs more help, and that he all he wants to do is win a championship. So with our current constructed roster, it wasn't enough to make it this year, and I think he's pushing for another start because he needs to put pressure on um the front office because he's just like realistically he has one year left for sure which is next year and he has his uh player option in the last year so he for sure just has one year left with the lakers i know he wants to win another one and uh yeah i mean should i move on just if i want Kyrie? <laughs> yeah go ahead I, i'm I do- all for Kyrie. what about you I want Kyrie. Here's the thing. After watching D'Lo's performance, because if you saw when D'Lo, we first got him, uh, and he played pretty well for us in the last few games of the regular season, they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we're going to re-sign D'Lo. But here's the thing. When you're not consistently good and you're a liability on defense and it shows in the playoffs, we brought you here to be the third star, and he Mm -hmm. looked like our seventh best player on our team which consistently our seventh mm-hmm. best player, which is just can't happen with someone that you're going to end up be paying 31 million for. So none of this Kyrie talk would have been happening if D'Lo actually showed up consistently during playoffs mm-hmm. and wasn't a defensive liability. Now people are going to be like, oh, well, you get Kyrie, you're going to have a defensive liability. But what people don't uh, look at is Kyrie's offense is so good It'll that it doesn't it. matter if you're a defensive liability. Mm-hmm. Like it, you're just you when your offense is that good and that tremendous, your defense is basically overlooked. Why do you think Steph Curry's looked at so good? Because offense is so good, it doesn't matter if he can't guard mm-hmm. anyone on defense. Trey Young's the same type of thing. His offense is so good, doesn't matter. But D'Lo, if your offense isn't that good, and we need you to be the third star, and your defense is also horrible came mm-hmm. unplayable in the playoffs and you saw that so yeah. i'm all for it because 
I've been reading a lot, and it seems like no matter what, we're keeping Reeves. And even when we keep Reeves, uh, we could still get like a we could get Kyrie, but we just won't be getting Rui. So it's just like, would I rather have Rui Hachimura or Kyrie Irving? It's it's pretty yeah. pretty self-explanatory at yeah, that at sorry, that point. I love Rui, but yeah. yeah, when you break it down to that simple of terms, um, so I I personally I'm all for Kyrie, and I feel like everyone's gonna be like, oh, he's a nutcase, he ruins locker rooms. But I feel the one thing we have to help prevent that is LeBron, someone that he's won a championship with. And I mm-hmm. like to say, Daddy LeBron will keep Kyrie in check if he's on the Lakers. <laughs> Let Daddy James or what? <laughs> yeah. Let Daddy James. Uh, yeah, man. At the end of the day, if, if, because like you also mentioned Trey Young, that's another rumor. Trey Young, Fred Van Vliet, people that these are uh, rumors that from other NBA insiders have mentioned saying that the Lakers have them at like as one of their top targets, you know, but it's that D'Lo's com- Western Conference performance. It was terrible, man. He averaged six points, three and a half assists, two rebounds per game and only like 23 and a half minutes. Like a starter like him should be playing minimum 36 and he should be averaging at least 18 ish points. Like how he was earlier in the playoffs, but it's all like, we don't, we needed D'Lo to be that third star. And he showed that obviously at times he was the main guy, like uh, in a couple of games. But then in other games, he he showed that like I can't be that third star for you guys. I can't even play in the fourth quarter. You know, I'll start the game, play a couple minutes, and then you can't put me in for the rest of the game because I'm just that much of a liability. And then I also saw that he only attempted it was four free throws. So it's like you got to be more aggressive than that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so. Just real quick to finish this off, if you could have any of those, if if what would you rather do? Resign D'Lo, keep Rui and Reeves, or only be able to keep one of Rui and Reeves? Uh, yeah, sorry, or only keep one of Rui or Reeves, and then sign and trade for Kyrie or uh, Trey Young. Yeah, I would definitely do the sign and trade for Kyrie or Trey Young and keep uh, Reeves. That's what I would do and uh i feel like that's the best because people don't realize if you're if you're a laker fan we have basically one more year that we actually have a chance to win the championship which next year and after that we might not be in the picture for a certain amount of time so Mm -hmm. we need to chase it while we have a chance and a third star is gonna gonna take us there and the difference between this third star in terms of the Russell Westbrook one third star is that this player will be able to actually shoot and play off ball. Right. So Russell Westbrook is a player that I'm like, he used to have that mid range, but now he's more like attack, you know, and he has to be around the rim and he has to have the ball in his hands to be effective. We saw that in the first round against the Suns when once Kawhi went out, it would, he was the main guy and he played well, right. That's because he had the ball in his hands. And, but with with uh, LeBron and AD, he was more off-ball type, and obviously that affected his game. So if we were to get Kyrie or Trey Young, someone on their level, it would be fine in terms of having them as a third star because they can shoot and they'd be comfortable playing off-ball. Obviously, Trey Young would probably be better with the ball in his hands, but that's why you can also open it up that way. Yeah. Um, so anything else you want to talk uh, say before we move on to Jaw real quick? Uh, the last thing I just want to say, also Fred Van Fleet is a pretty good option as well. And I mm-hmm. heard uh, if we 
get Fred Van Fleet, he's going to off obviously demand less money than Young and Irving. And then we have a chance to keep Reeves and Rui, but then uh, one of them would just have to take a little less money than yeah, yeah. Uh, what they're offered. So that's also an option, but uh, hopefully we make, that move, either. make a we've move seen Van someone. Play well. Yeah, we've seen Van, Be- Van Bleet play well in the playoffs before. So I wouldn't mind him being our starter. Either, and he's a you proven don't... all-star too. Exactly. Yeah. You don't need a star essentially like to be our point guard. Cause we already have LeBron, obviously, but we just need someone that can handle the ball and shoot. And they've proven themselves as an all-star, like you said, and in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So uh, exactly. that's all I have to say about this situation. Just going to wrap it up real quick with John Morant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, there was reports that he got a welfare check uh, from Tennessee police following some uh, cryptic Instagram stories. Honestly, when I saw at the first time when I saw welfare check, I was like, "Wait, why is he getting paid?" Like, you know, <laughs> I was all like, "But." And then I looked into it. He needs more and money. Then I, yeah, I was all like, "Is he getting paid because he's not? Wait, he got suspended?" Or you give know, give me the welfare check, dude. I'll yeah, take yeah, exactly. But then I looked into it, and then I realized they meant like a like a well being check. Or like check in, I should say. Yeah. So uh, he posted these stories right here. Uh, if you're if you're watching it, you can see it right here. If not, uh, it says he had posted some stories on Instagram the other day, and it's a picture with him and his mother behind him, and it says "Love your ma." And then there's another one right here, "Love your pops." And then the next one after that, it says "You the greatest baby girl, love you," with his daughter. And then what made everyone all scared and all that was this one, where it says it's him talking to the media, and it says bye. It just says bye. So he posted these four different stories, right? Uh, but officials uh, told ESPN that Morant was just taking a break from social media. That's that was the po- uh, point of these posts. And uh, so these obviously these posts come after uh, he was suspended indefinitely by the Grizzlies back on May 13th, following his most recent Instagram live gun video. So obviously we were joking around about it last week, but when you see something like this, it's serious. You don't know. You never know what someone's going through. Obviously we like to have fun in games, you know, like we, we clown on Dylan Brooks. We were messing with jaw last week, but when it comes down to something this serious, I'm not going to make fun of him for like, going through whatever he's going through uh at the end of the day you want them to be better i saw Kyrie also said hopefully this helps uh people normalize taking breaks to get away from it like get away from social media get away from technology just be with your family that type of stuff so uh what what are you what was your reaction uh to this welfare check uh so when i saw the first three stories i was like oh that's nice they're just posting his family saying love you and then i saw his last one i was like wait that's a weird thing to post after saying that so i could understand why people were concerned Mm -hmm. um at the end of the day like we said we make jokes but we never want someone to uh basically like take themselves out of this world uh we like to leave that in god's hands so then i'm just like when i saw this house i felt I felt bad. Um, and another sense too, I was just like, it's also weird to post it on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always just find posting on social media for attention. It's just a little weird, but maybe he that's the attention he needs to get the help he needs. So I kind of tried shifting my perspective into a more positive one that maybe he's just posting these for attention to get 
the help that he needs and that's kind of his his way of putting himself out there to kind of do what he needs uh to better his life and i do think a social media social media break is good um i think it's good for everyone uh, everyone gets bogged down in life and just think that the life revolves around their phone and what mm-hmm. everyone's posts on the internet but then when you step out life is going and completely different than how it just looks on your phone so i think it's good for him to step away uh definitely like we both said we make jokes about but we all want to see him on the basketball court and we all want to see him thriving in the nba because he's a great player so mm-hmm. definitely scared me with the last uh <laughs> picture but uh glad it was just meaning he's stepping away from social media maybe next time yeah. just say bye social media <laughs> Yeah, add those, it's add like those, giving everyone a scare. Yeah, add those two words after it so you don't scare people that like really, really like his family and stuff that yeah, like yeah. really love him. So, but yeah, yeah that's just, about it. I just want to end this topic with just one thing you never know what someone's going through. So, if you obviously, like we've been saying, we joke around, but when it comes down to it, all seriousness, uh, we hope Jaw gets better, gets the help that he needs, and uh, we want to see him back. Obviously, he's not going to be back for the first probably quarter of the season after getting he'll, he'll probably get a lengthy suspension but hopefully jaw actually does learn from the second time and uh i look forward to his return uh so just real quick before we wrap it up things you love to see uh mine is uh this one right here like we already mentioned it in the and the headlines but uh for this week's things you love to see i'm put i'm picking nba to finally penalize flopping Obviously, we know that LeBron is one of the biggest floppers, but there's floppers throughout the whole NBA. So I really want this to be implemented next season because, one, it ruins the game because it really influences the ref's calls. And, two, I hope that they start incorporating a little bit more FIBA rules because also we saw it with the goaltending bat- like uh, goaltend calls. There was a lot of calls that were pretty close, but in FIBA rules, once the ball touches the rim, you can touch it right after, you know, because – you, you you can interfere with it as long as as long as it's already touched the rim. So I hope this one leads to a couple more FIBA rules. That way the game gets back to being a little more aggressive and not as much tic-tac call uh, fouls. Mm-hmm. And for Daniel, uh, we have this uh, parlay. If you want to mention it right here, the parlay yeah. in the delivery room. So this guy's in the delivery room waiting for his baby to arrive. And he bets five dollars on a parlay and hits for two thousand and seven hundred dollars. And I thought this was just a feel-good moment. You got probably already the best day of his life, bringing in a child into this world. Um, I know my parents say that's always the best day of their life when they bring me and my siblings in. So it seems like the thing to say. I don't have kids yet, so I don't know. But best day (laughs) of his life, and just bet five dollars and made it to two thousand seven hundred. Looks like he'll be good on diapers for about a week. (laughs) I saw. I saw in the comments they should. uh, He should name his kid Parlay, and I thought that was probably the funniest comment I've seen. So uh, it's a feel good thing. uh, Everyone likes making money but making money on the day of uh when your kid's being born is even yeah. better too <laughs> looks like looks like he got a payday he got a baby on the same day as payday so you know it was a win-win yeah it's a win-win situation so that's it for uh this week's things you love to see as for fails of the week i have kwami's kwami brown's rant about lebron uh following game four and them getting swept you, you are a stat sheet junkie you a bad boy when it comes to stats 
throughout history, people are going to, you know, the little nerds are going to look up your stat line and they're going to say, he's got to be the greatest player that ever played the game. And, and people who actually play are going to know that is bullshit. I have never seen a guy of your caliber, supposed caliber, you don't even get a shot off. If I played with Richard Hamilton, he would have got a shot off. Hell, Gilbert Arenas would have got a shot off right there. You didn't even get a shot off. You don't even know if you would have hit the goddamn shot. You ain't even get it off. I used to watch. Where's your little touch move? You probably be the best scorer in the game. You got all these points. But you were looking for a bailout. Again. Kobe Bryant would have probably looked at rolls up for a three and won the game. That's what great people do. You can't say that you great. You got to do great things. That's where greatness lies. Not no niggas just driving to the basket, looking at the referee to bail them out. You, you are stat. He says you you can't be uh, you can't say you're great. You have to be great. And so the same thing is you could say to him. The only reason I put fail of the week is because Kwame Brown, number one pick before certified bum, like how uh, Stephen A. Smith said, he's over here saying you got to be great. You can't just talk about it. Then stop saying that you're the number one pick. Who cares? No one cares. Like I saw Shannon Sharp saying, oh, uh, if he, if there was a Mount Rushmore of bumps, he'd be on it. <laughs> Definitely. One, two, three, or four. It doesn't matter. So that's why I have him as my uh, fail of the week. <laughs> what about you, Daniel? Uh, my fail of the week is Delo's performance in the Western Conference Finals. This performance basically caused him to fumble the bag because now everyone's looking at him and saying, you're not worth $31 million. He's probably he's definitely going to be offered a contract somewhere else, or if we sign and trade him, but he is not making thirty-one million. So that's my fail of the week, and uh, I wanted to see him stay in a Laker uniform when we first got him, and now I don't. So, <laughs> well, good luck wherever he goes, and hopefully he's uh, useful in a sign and trade for us moving forward. It wouldn't be the first time he got signed and trade, traded. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, he came back to L.A. I was hoping it would work out. Obviously, he got drafted here second overall, but it didn't work out. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I hope we get Kyrie. But uh, anything else you want to say before we take off? No, nothing. Thanks for having yeah. me. Again. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Again, uh, you'll be with us throughout uh, through at least the end of the playoffs. So don't 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 get uh, don't go anywhere. Yes, get sir. <laughs> but yeah, uh, before we take off, make sure to follow us on social media uh, at Sports Planet Pod. You can see that our name, our social handles are there as well at underscore Brandon's Mora and Daniel's at Brutally Honest Help. Uh, so yeah, man, uh, you can also find these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. So I just wanted to say thank you, Daniel, for joining us for episode 15. And to the listeners, thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you all on the very next episode of the Sports Planet Podcast. Life is good. I've decided. Now I'm away from this violence. Out there is